Hey folks, it's Jalen, and this is Go Black Boy Go, a podcast about my journey through graduate school. Each week, I will be reviewing my week with you, as well as giving a few tips on how to make the grad school application process easier. And every now and then, I'll have a few guests come on to talk about various topics about race, gender, sexuality, masculinity, and queerness. Thank you for listening to the podcast, and let's get on with this week's episode. Hey folks, thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. Um, I'm coming at you guys with like, I guess a little more optimistic because I finished my first, so I finished my first week of school basically but it was just it felt like school it, it was the um grad orientation and it was pretty much a whole week and it started on uh friday the 15th and it ended um this friday so this past friday so it was just it was fun but it was very long because it was just sitting in these like long long sessions and listening to people talk the whole time and it's just like uh um there was some so i guess i'll take you guys through like each day that i can remember so like the first day was the composition conference and that was where so since i'm a tutor this year that was where they had all the tutors and the teachers of composition um like sit and like talk about ways and strategies of teaching and their big big thing here at Oregon is I'm sorry that I just burped um hope that wasn't unpleasant to your ears but um the big thing here at Oregon is inclusive teaching and I'm thinking about ways to at least this at least the big thing at the conference was inclusive teaching thinking about ways that um teachers are more yeah inclusive in the classroom when it comes to students who um, speak and write differently and thinking about ways to include those students in um, even though they might not fit um, might not necessarily fit with what you think the correct way to speak and um, write is and um I thought that was really cool. Um, my one critique, I guess, is that um, it was it, the people that were talking about inclusive teaching. I mean, Oregon by nat like naturally, Oregon is um, hugely, hugely has a large white population and a very small um, black and um, POC population. So it just seemed kind of I guess they really can't help this, but it seemed like um, there was just a bunch of white people in the room talking about being inclusive without actually um, reflecting that inclusivity um, on the panel, at least. But I don't I mean, I don't know if that was deliberate or like there's just really not a lot of black people in composition, which um, is a whole nother problem because I don't you know what this is. That's for a different that's for a different day. Anyway, so, um, yeah, set through the conference and, um, this, um, there was a speaker there and he was talking about how he taught in Mississippi and 
how um, he taught like lower income um, students of color and he was talking about dealing with this one student who um, was disruptive and all of that and then the person over the conference told us to do like a little free write about uh, the passage that we just listened to and so then I started to think about um, like oh wow how do I teach students or how do I um, help students that that I feel like they won't respect me because of who I am like like say that I get a student that is homophobic or racist or both um, how do I I guess separate my insecurities and my like still trauma from being bullied from you know I mean, I feel like everybody has this, but like trauma for being bullied from, you know, middle school and high school um, and the stuff that I've carried with me through college. And until now, like, how do I how do I look past that and sort of just help the student for who they are and realize that it's not about me? But then, um, you know, if that student is like very disruptive and whatnot, um, how do I correctly handle that without freaking out and taking like all of the past years of like hurtful things that I've heard all on this one person and so I've been listening to um so one thing that they said at the conference was that you have to sort of try to understand what's going on with the student and I just like (laughs) like in the moment that doesn't really seem like that's gonna like really happen and then I was listening to a podcast about these um two black educators and they're they um teach at um and I'll give you guys the no it's called um common sense podcast and I'll probably send the link because it's a good podcast but they were talking about so there's teachers at a um elementary school and so I couldn't really find college teachers speaking about this topic but they were speaking about um dealing with um temper tantrums and they said that you know um they they first shared that you know hey i mean they first shared that you know when they first encountered this it was like they were like in shock pretty much um but then they soon um started finding strategies on dealing with 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 the kids that throw temper tantrums and pretty much it seemed like that they just like let them throw them and then like resume the rest of the day or like um they said usually when the kid is like you know being disruptive means that they're they feel like they're they haven't been getting enough attention at home and so that's their way of acting out and so um I thought that was interesting um, I can't really think of the way that they said to deal with that. I think they said maybe um, you just keep those kids close by you and then you make you just make sure you are showing them that they're appreciated and things like that. And so I thought that was a cool way to deal with that. But now I'm trying to think of it in the context of, of, of college uh, kids um, or students because I'm still a kid. Um, <laughs> college students, um, I, I don't really... I don't really know how, how I would, um, I guess, uh, take that advice and apply it to college-age students. So that's where I am right now with, with that whole thing. 
Um, but yeah, so that whole first day had me thinking about that for the longest. And then I went into my tutor training where um, I was being, where we were talking about, um, it was all new to me, honestly, because the way that they're teaching me to tutor now isn't the way that I've been tutoring. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I, I like this way, not saying that it's better than the one previously, it's just that it's a lot more detailed and focused. Um, and that's probably because it's an actual, like, well, it's pretty much a class that I have to do. And so they went into, um, basically the whole thing was that you're not editing a student's paper. You're giving them suggestions, um, uh, not even giving them suggestions. You're helping them, you're helping guide them to um, understanding their ideas more and fleshing them out. And um, it's not so much focused on grammar, which is what, like, my biggest thing is, like, every t before I would, I was tutoring people, I was just fixing grammar and not really looking. And I was doing a little bit of the idea stuff, but not as much. And so the biggest thing is that you want to focus your tutoring session on just thinking about the ideas that the student is um proposing and working through those and that really helps you a lot and it really helps the student out a lot because then you're not writing the paper for them and then they're not having a person write the paper for them they're actually expressing their ideas and things like that and one of the things was that when students are like that um it's they they said that a reason is because they're coming from high school where they've been told from the high school um, teachers um, to write basically what the teacher wants them to write and so they haven't had that time to they haven't they they think that writing isn't about expressing their own ideas and so I thought that was very interesting and I've never thought of it like that before um, and so. I don't know. Ho hopefully, this is hopefully I, th I put these things into perspective when I'm actually engaging in tutoring. Um, because I, I would, I will, I can't. I don't know. I will say that I am a little bit nervous about tutoring, but I'm excited because I'm excited to see how I can help someone and how I can learn from them and learn new ways to teach, and um. Yeah, basically the whole, um, the whole, so I'll be tutoring this whole year. So basically in that, um, it's just preparing me for, um, teaching, uh, next year and, um, just being acquainted in the, with the assignments that, um, people, um, give out and then the ways to, um, look for better writing and, um, uh, help students reach better ideas in, in their writing. Um, one important thing that I thought was really interesting um, at the tu at the uh, tutoring training was when coming to um, when when um, helping out. In, uh, what do they call them? Um, what's it see? like international students or um, English as a second language students. Um, see, when I've had this experience before, again, it was like grammar and like telling them, um, hey, this word, um, 
maybe they translated it and translated it right or something like that. But at the at that little session, it again it was like most of the things that you're gonna be looking for in this essay are things that you would look for with American students, which are um, expanding on their ideas, organi- organization of the paper, and um, things like that. And so I was like, oh wow, like that. I mean. Now I I feel kind of um I don't know kind of ignorant I guess because before I was I was thinking that you would have to deal with international and um, English second language students um, differently than than the rest of everybody but I mean no it's the same um, it just for me I had I had never been taught that before um, and so um, I'm glad that I have had been taught that and just been taught to just um look for again look for better ideas and better ways for them to express themselves and then if it's like a big grammar problem just kind of lead them into the direction of of fixing that and not really fixing them for themselves because then that that um takes away that learning experience from them and so that was the biggest those were the biggest things that i've taken um from the tutor training and from the composition conference, um, yeah, it, I will say that it, these were some very long days because they were like, I would be up at seven to get on the bus, well, wake up at six, get on the bus at seven, and then I would be at campus until five, and I wouldn't get back home until like six, so it's like, these are some very, very long days, but, uh, I learned a lot, um, so yeah. Um, so I have a few bus adventures. Um, hopefully this won't be a thing that I just tell it like, hopefully this won't be like a regular segment, but today it is. Um, and so this week, my bus adventures were, um, so two, two things happen at the bus, the bus station and on the bus. So one time I was at the one time this week I was at the bus um, stop, and this guy. So I would have my my earphones in and stuff, and this guy walks up to me, and well, at first I was like walking to see what time the bus came, and I had my earphones in. And I was trying to look like um, I was trying to look like I didn't want anybody to speak to me, um, but I guess I don't do that successfully anymore, and. Um, I saw this guy, he was like kind of like walking up to me like he wanted to talk to me, but then I went to go sit down and I like put my head down and then he came up to me and he like stood like right by me and I think he was like trying to get my attention but my headphones were in and um, and I was listening to something and so I was like, I was like, okay, if I ignore him, he'll just like go away because that's what my friend in San Francisco said that you have to do to people, just have to ignore them. But then I was like, oh my God, he's not going away. So I just like looked up and he was like, he was like, bro, bro, um, does the bus run? Um, and this was a white guy, by the way. Um, I don't know if that means anything, but he said, bro. And I, anyway, um, so he was like, he was like, does the bus run all day? And I was like, I was like, huh? And he was like, does the bus run all day? And I was like, I was like, yeah. I mean, I just said, yeah. I was like, 
you can just go look at the, the little sign and it will tell you how long it runs for. And then so I went out and then he said, okay, okay. And then so I like put my um, earphone, I like turn my music back up or whatever. And then he was like, he had said something else to me. And I was like, I was like, huh? He's like, do you have a folder? I was like, what? He was like, do you have a folder? I was like, no, I don't. I don't have a folder. No. And he was like, oh, okay. And he like kind of mumbled and then walked away and went to go talk to these other guys. And he was like talking to them for um, a, a while, like a good little while until the bus got there. And then I was just like so annoyed because I just want people to leave me alone. I wish I looked scary and people would like not talk to me, but I guess I just look too um, approachable and I really don't like that. It's a blessing and a curse. And then when I was on the bus, um, I forgot when, but I was on the bus and this man gets on there and he doesn't really smell that good. Um, and he gets on, he sits by me and I like, I hate it when people sit by me because, um, I put my, I literally put my bag in the next seat, but I guess he just plopped on right by me. And again, I think I look too inviting. Um, and so um so he sits down and i smell him he doesn't really smell that good um and then as we get further and further along the bus ride um i like see him nodding off and then he kind of like falls asleep on me and his like shoulders are are on me and they're like he's like resting his body on me and he's a bony man i'm a bony man like it was just bone on bone and it was just like okay and this is this is this is that and so um yeah when we got to the bus station he like um like woke up and it was that so that was my little encounter for that little bus drive so yeah those are my two bus adventures hopefully this doesn't become like a main thing um I wish I had, so back home people would say that I have a stank face, and I say this in quotations because I feel like it was underlined with some things. Um, people would say that I had a stank face because, like, um, like a resting bitch face because I guess I did, but I never noticed it. It was just like my, my default face. And so I wish I had that still, but I guess I don't have it anymore because I've been conditioned not to have it because people were saying that I had it all the time. And so now that I don't have it, I don't have it to protect me anymore. So people come up to me and bother me and I don't like it. I just want to ride the bus and not be bothered. I thought I literally thought that, you know, my black privilege would would help people, you know, be afraid of me. But I guess I guess it doesn't work in this context. Okay, so moving on to some grad school advice. So I want to start including this in um, on the episodes or maybe de dedicating full episodes um, about grad school um, preparation because it's definitely the time where like applications are going to be due soon. Like I know December it seems a seems a while away, but it's going to sneak up on you. So I would say now um now is the time to start preparing um 
for your applications, especially if they're due December 1st, December 15th, and even January 1st. And um, some of these applications, when you submit them, um, you know, December 1st, December 15th, um, mo most of them, these are like when they have the teaching assistantships or the um, graduate employee um, jobs, which is what I have. And they're really helpful because one, you get paid to um, go to school basically and then they like fund everything you don't have to pay um, for uh, school basically and you just pay for books or whatever and so that's when I applied to grad school that was all like that was all of the things that I did I just applied for the um, I applied before I applied on the deadlines that were the deadlines for the TA positions and um, I would just recommend everybody do that because I've always been told um, you shouldn't have to pay to go to grad school um, that there are just a lot of opportunities for you to get uh, teaching assistantship positions and people will pay you to go to school and it's just it's really great and so yeah so I would say so ways that you can start preparing for grad school so or preparing to for your application so what I did I had a spreadsheet of all of the programs that I wanted to apply to I had them breaking broken down from school name to um, and then I had a column about um, what like some of the requirements um, so um, for a lot of mine they had um, personal statement three letters of recommendation which I think it's always going to be three letters of recommendation for a PhD at least um, um, yeah three letters of recommendation and some other little things and then I had in the next in the next column uh, professors that I want to work with and I listed those and then I had um, I had like maybe I had what program I was applying to, whether it was MA or PhD. And then I had in another column, um, like it, how, how, like if this, so I, I rated it in uh, reach, how was it reach, um, like a reach school, like so a school that I think I would never get into, um, like a medium school, like a me, like a school that I think I can get into. And then like just, um, the the third one was um like I know for sure I'm gonna get into the school I forgot what exactly they were called you could probably look that up but that's how I had um them la that's how I labeled them and um Oregon was actually one of my like reach schools like I didn't think I was gonna get in um but I'm here now um so that's how I had them labeled and then um I had maybe a, a column for strengths and weaknesses for them and how much the application fee was that's what I had um and so yeah I mean I and that's how I like um organized everything um and it was a great help to me just getting all of that together on one document and going back and looking at the things that I needed for each application and so I can definitely I can share that with um with you guys if you if you need it um and then another piece of advice is i would say to once you know the professors that you think you want to start 
uh, speaking with and working with, I would say start emailing those professors like now um, so that they can uh, at least see who you are and uh, know a little bit about your interest. If you can get like if you can schedule a phone call with these professors, um, I would say do that and take advantage of that because um, that phone call will definitely help you out a lot. Um, and then it will, I mean, even if you decide not to go to school, you've made a connection with a professor and you've gotten, um, advice from that perspective, um, from that perspective, uh, can't speak. And you've gotten advice from that professor. And so, yeah, I would say start contacting professors and then I would say start beginning to do some of your first draft work on your personal statements and writing samples. Um, at least for the people in the humanities, and I'm not really sure what um, STEM folks do, but I assume that y'all do a a writing sample, and I I don't know if y'all do another piece of writing, but start start working on those your first drafts and um, like start getting that stuff done. Just taking you know maybe 50 minutes a day um, out of your out of your busy schedules to start drafting that stuff. Um, and then I would say when October hits, oh, it's about to be October now. I would say mid October when it's, when it starts hitting, I would say that that's when you need to start really getting down to the nitty gritty and just fixing everything, um, about those drafts and just really a folk like focusing, um, on, making it sound really really good and making it look very concise um and i think that that will lead you to getting your application in on time um and so yeah that's that's all i got for my little piece of grad school advice i am wanting to do um full episodes about um and I've been wanting to do this for a while, actually. Um, a full, full episodes about grad school stuff, like writing samples and things of that nature. Um, so yeah, so be on the lookout for those. I feel like I've been saying that on almost every episode, but I really feel like I'm actually going to do it now because this is a season for 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 grad school applications. Um, and so. I want to move into another little piece. I'm trying to do little segments just to make it interesting so people will like know what to expect <laughs> every every week. Um, and it just makes me feel organized. That's my big thing now, being organized. Um, and then so I want to give out a TV show recommendation. And so maybe every week I'll do a TV show recommendation or a movie recommendation. Um and the the reason why I'm doing this is because I'm pushing myself to watch more TV. Um, and I know that sounds kind of funny because it's like I'm in grad school and I'm not gonna have time to watch TV. But I'm gonna make sh- I'm gonna make time for myself to watch TV and watch movies because this is what I want to be. Ultimately, I want to be a media scholar and I want to talk about film and television and um, things of that nature. And I just feel like in order to do that, I need to be consuming media and reading about it and so um this is a way that's going to push me to do that and so 
I will say that this this week's TV show recommendation is called Random Acts of Flyness, and it comes on HBO. And it's this it's this variety talk show that doesn't. It's a crazy. It's a wild ride. It's this variety talk show that isn't structured like a variety talk show. So the each segment kind of it kind of like feels like one cohesive story except i mean it's still all over the place and it's it's very non-linear um i don't really know how to explain it it's a crazy show um and it's it deals a lot with um black identity and um just black art there's a lot of black women that are directors on it directors and writers on it and there's a lot of um just cool animations and cool visual effects and um the writing is just amazing on the show and it's just six episodes but i mean every time i watch an episode i'm just like oh my god what did i watch because i think it really plays with genre a bunch and it really um subverts what we think about genre so for instance there are a lot of um there's a few animation things in there and you know and and the and um i think both of them are yeah both of them are done by black women and you know i'd never heard of a black woman animator before and so we're seeing um through these sort of conventional genres um what it looks like when a person of color specifically a black woman um puts her point of view on it and um just beautifully um does it does it brilliantly and um i feel like that was a redundant but oh well um and i'm just trying to think about just different episodes that are just very uh, just interesting i like the way that the show interrogates whiteness um in that um it shows how sort of the the white state the white savior um complex um, does more harm than good. There was this one segment about this white actor that's trying to, um, that's trying to make the story about this white man saving children in Africa, pretty much, and it was just good in showing um, the production side of Hollywood about it, and just sort of the, I guess, selfish attitudes that that come in with trying to make a story like that. And the racist attitudes and coming trying to make a story about it because in the casting the um, white guy that was making that was making the movie was like trying to cast kids to um, be in the movie and he said that he was saying about one kid that he doesn't have the look because he doesn't look too he doesn't look um, like sorrowful enough and so it's just trying to build on these sort of white centric stereotypes about african children in africa and um (laughs) there was a funny thing that happened where the um producer was like oh we're gonna film this in australia i believe but then the guy was like no we need to go to africa to film it film it and then the producer was like no we can't go to africa to film it because it's like a war zone and the guy was like well it's not gonna be authentic and blah, blah 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 and so it was like funny to um I thought it was funny. Maybe it didn't sound funny when I when I talked about it, but it's a it's a good sh- it's such a good show. And then there was this 
one uh thing about the the white devil and um and contemporary shows so um like breaking bad and the sopranos and Mad Men and it was um and even nurse jackie um they were like it was this i it was like a dissertation i swear and it was like this whole thing about how the white devil is like the oh uh, uh, what these white characters um demons that get displayed um so um with nurse jackie it's her addiction with tony soprano it's crime with um walter white it's crime and um oh yeah and then the thing about walter white's name he is saying how the fact that his last name was white reinforces this idea of the white devil and like whiteness standing in the way um standing standing in for justice because um you definitely see um and breaking bad how walter white how his his idea of you know okay he has cancer and like his, the bills are piling up how his idea of getting justice at a system that has wronged him is to um start going into crime and um just basically the narrator of the sequence was just saying how this reinforces um just whiteness and when the present of other people that aren't white are um in the in the series um in these series um it just reinforces um that white dominance um and i always i, I never thought of breaking bad about like that i just thought it was just like this show about a white guy but um the, it just made me think about yeah his relationship with other people of color and how it his he it was just all about him being dominant and even with uh, the Sopranos and Mad Men, um, it just definitely, and, and it was just, it was just really cool because these were shows that don't really have a lot of black people in them, but when they're there, they're there for a reason, and they're there to reinforce this idea of whiteness being dominant. And um, yeah, it was just, I'm probably gonna go back and watch it and like write it all down because it was just so good, and I might want to show that in like a class or something. Um, and so yeah, so that show is good. Um, I recommend to watch it if you don't have HBO. Find it online. Find a segment on YouTube and just watch it and have your mind like blown. Um, and then finally, I want to end the podcast on talking about something that I'm grateful for, and um, I think this is important for me is to make sure that I'm staying positive about this whole grad school experience and these new changes and things and making sure or forcing myself to see things that I'm grateful for. Um, and yeah. And so something I'm grateful for this week is I guess, I guess friends and, um, new friends and people welcoming, welcoming me into their lives and, um, to their homes and um, just being nice and supportive and yeah um, that's something I'm grateful for is friends and a community um, of people to grow with uh, I think it's important especially now and so that about wraps it up for this week um, I hope you guys um, I'm trying not to use guys as much because it's like very it's not it's not gender neutral 
and yeah so since i've gotten here i've been more conscious about trying to be more gender neutral about terms um because not everyone is cisgender so um so yeah i'm trying to use more gender neutral terms just so i can get used to to doing it because there's been a lot of times that people have asked me oh i i'm not I, oh i don't want to assume that you identify as male and things like that and i'm like oh no i do identify as male and then it just makes me think oh wow like some people don't identify as the uh, as what they appear as and um i just i feel like i need to be more aware of 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 that and just becoming because it's not a normal thing for me to be asked what my gender identity is but it is for someone that isn't um cisgender who doesn't or who doesn't identify with um the gender they've been inside at birth or the gender they look you know so um, I think I think it's important for me to start becoming more aware of that and um, normalizing that in my everyday speech. So, yeah, sorry about the little tangent. But all right, folks, um, thank you for tuning in to this week's episode and I'll see you next week. Hey, folks, it's Jalen. Head on over to iTunes to rate and review the podcast. And if you have any suggestions or comments about the show, you can send those to me through Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or you can email them to me. And the links to all of those are in the description. Don't forget, you can listen to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, and Podbean. And the links to those are in the description as well. Thank you once again for listening to Go Black Boy Go.